Welcome to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, Dr. Nicole from Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. Hi, Dr. Nick here. Clinical nutritionist, Brooke. I am Dr. Kyle. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, you're listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. This is Brooke, the clinical nutritionist at Integrative Wellness Group, and I'm here today with Dr. Nicole Rivera, functional medicine doctor, and we're going to be talking to you a little bit today about uh, sleep and your digestion. And the two of those things seem pretty separate. Uh, and as you might have gathered from some of our previous podcasts, what we like to do is take some of uh, these common medical uh, diagnosis or symptoms, and we like to bring to you some different uh, approaches to getting better. So Dr. Nicole, I'd love to have you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on functional medicine. Yes, definitely. So I am Dr. Nicole, uh, working side by side with Brooke here at Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. And uh, being a functional medicine practitioner, one of the things that you know I really strive to do is figure out the root cause of the symptoms that you're currently dealing with. And the way that I go about doing that is doing very specific lab analysis in order to just you know get the big picture, piece the puzzle together with your history your you know past hospitalizations medication use surgeries etc and you know really give you a general idea of what's going on in your body and what can we do to fix it in a natural way right and i'm glad that you said that specifically fixing it in a natural way because when we talk about something like sleep we always think that we maybe have some problem going on that it needs a medication it needs to be fixed and a lot of the times these can clear up on their own, you know, through certain supplements, just being able to figure out exactly what's going on. So we wanted to talk about that today uh, in relation to digestion, because I think that's another fairly common symptom that people have mm -hmm. and something that you might be experiencing along with sleep disorders and really how the two are connected. So let's talk about, um, you know, gut bacterial overgrowth and yeast in the gut and um, you know, kind of what's being produced and how that might be affecting our sleep cycle. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, just to kind of uh, go off of what you mentioned before is, you know, needing or, or wanting a medication to utilize um, in order to improve our sleep. You know, that's a very understandable thing because if you're not sleeping, you're not healing, and you know, you're you're not really able to function in your day to day. And that is definitely something that can start to create a lot of frustration, a lot of anxiety. And, you know, we completely understand that and want to support people in, in every way possible to really figure out the root cause of the sleep issues because it's very unlikely that they're going to kind of creep up for no reason. And what we find is we do see a lot of gastrointestinal disturbances that are in association with sleep issues. And we're not saying that that's the only cause. There definitely is. And we're going to touch on some of those um, in this podcast. But specifically in relation to the gut, when somebody does develop a, a type of overgrowth in either the small intestine, the stomach, or the large intestine, because our digestive tract is very, very large, there's a lot of different things going on and a lot of possibilities. But if you do have, say, a bacterial overgrowth or you have a yeast overgrowth or even have parasites in different areas of the gastrointestinal tract, 
then that is something that is going to not only create a lot of inflammation within the body, which can definitely start to maybe up your blood pressure, it can make you feel achy, it can make you have um, brain fog, but the other thing that's happening is, you know, these different types of pathogens, you have to understand, these are living organisms and they secrete waste essentially the same way that we do. Um, the same way that, you know, we have stool that we eliminate on a daily basis, you know, these types of pathogens are going to also secrete waste in the event that they're living in your gastrointestinal tract. So one of the primary things that we have found through research, not meaning me, but through, you know, research in functional medicine and medicine, is that these pathogens can let off um, different types of endotoxins called lipopolysaccharide. And the lipopolysaccharide can travel into the bloodstream and then start to affect one of the most important organs in our body called our hypothalamus gland. The hypothalamus is pretty much where all of your stimulating hormones for your endocrine system come from. So in turn of having you know, this lipopolysaccharide, which is starting to affect your hypothalamus, you might see hormonal issues, which is a separate topic in itself. Um, but then you also might see um, fatigue. And you'll see the fatigue because it's actually going to start to affect the stimulating hormones for your adrenal glands. So your adrenals are in charge of producing energy, but at the same time, they are in charge of kind of calming you down and, and getting you to sleep and allowing you to have restful sleep. So not only are you going to have, you know, experience some fatigue or lack of energy through your day to day, but you're also then going to experience issues with sleep, either falling asleep, staying asleep, you know, everybody's going to be different, but um, it's kind of the double whammy, essentially. So going along with the bacterial and yeast overgrowth, there's often going to be some malabsorption problems with certain vitamins, um, and maybe talking and discussing a little bit more about some of those. Definitely. Um, so one of the things that we do here in the event that somebody does have, um, you know, sleep issues and, you know, hormonal issues, etc. When we do testing, we typically are looking at neurotransmitters and neurotransmitters are the primary hormones that are helping us to feel good, helping us to calm down when necessary, and then also helping us to get to sleep, essentially. So a lot of those neurotransmitters, serotonin, I feel like many of you might be familiar with, dopamine is another one, but a lot of these neurotransmitters are going to be very regulated by B vitamins, especially B6. And unfortunately, in the event that you have any type of gut issues, especially dysbiosis, then you're typically going to have a lot of issues with the absorption. And some of you can maybe relate to this when you think about taking a B vitamin and then all day you're peeing fluorescent yellow. So typically that is because you're not absorbing it. So that could be due to the quality of the supplement you've purchased, but it also can be due to underlying gut issues that are not allowing you to absorb it. So in the event of lack of B vitamins, especially the B6, you're going to have a lot of imbalances in these neurotransmitters, which can also affect your sleep. So on the topic of neurotransmitters, aren't there specific neurotransmitters that affect the gut? Definitely. Um, there's two neurotransmitters that are known to um, specifically affect the gut. And one of those is serotonin, and then the other one is taurine. So serotonin, again, you know, some of us are familiar with it because that's the primary uh, neurotransmitter that's going to be supported in the event that maybe we're feeling depressed or, or having low mood. 
Um, but with serotonin, um, one of the things that people don't understand is 85% of it is actually produced by our gut. So in the event that you are having gut issues, there's a strong possibility that you're going to deplete much of your serotonin. And then that can also lead to sleep issues, but it's also going to lead to, um, you know, mood instability, feeling depressed, you know, just not feeling good in general. Um, you know, the, the other element of serotonin is if your serotonin becomes depleted, serotonin gets converted in the body to melatonin. So melatonin is the primary thing that we know affects our sleep pretty tremendously. So if you are lacking the serotonin because of gut issues, and then you are in turn lacking melatonin, another element that is going to dramatically affect your sleep. Well, and B6 is the actual enzyme that's going to be converting that over from serotonin to melatonin. Mm-hmm. So then it's kind of kind of bringing all these things together. It's almost like a two-way street that, mm-hmm. you know, the gut issues may cause some malabsorption, but then they may cause a depletion in serotonin. So we may be having a couple of different things actually going on. Here. And I think that's really important that you said that because that is usually the case. It's usually not one thing. When we're doing the testing and actually looking at people that are dealing with these symptoms, it's not they just have low serotonin or they just have a B vitamin deficiency. Typically, you know, it's kind of a culmination because once gut issues start, it's a snowball effect that happens. You know, that's going to start to secrete that LPS and start to affect the pituitary gland. And then you're going to start to not absorb nutrients very well and maybe become B vitamin deficient. And then you might also become serotonin deficient if the gut issues stick around long enough. So it's definitely a cascade that happens, but it doesn't mean that it's a lot of really hard work to fix it. You know, it's just a matter of strategically going about it to rebalance everything and and boost these levels back to where they need to be. So speaking of kind of different things and different areas that you might look at, if we're going to be doing a, a very comprehensive analysis, what are all the components that you would really look at? So we would look at the gut, Definitely. So a stool analysis is going to give us all the information that we need about the gut. It's going to look at yeast, bacteria, parasites, etc. So we want to definitely have that information to see if that's an underlying issue. Uh, We do want to look at that neurotransmitter panel, which I say neurotransmitters, but it's it's a neuroadrenal panel. So you're looking at the neurotransmitters, which again are classified as your feel-good hormones, your calming hormones, and then also your stress hormones. So cortisol and adrenaline are the primary things that we're looking at. We're also looking at the stress hormones, which adrenaline is one of the primary ones that we're looking at. But from the adrenal aspect, one of the primary organs that's in charge of your adrenals is cortisol. And we do look at cortisol over the course of the day. So we actually do four saliva samples throughout the day in order to look at where the cortisol is morning, afternoon, evening, and bedtime. And this gives us a lot of information about, you know, stress or having an overabundance of stress hormone, but also at the same time, blood sugar instability. And the blood sugar instability can play a role in the gut, and then the gut can play a role in the blood sugar instability. So again, there's so many things that are interconnected here. So the neurotransmitter and adrenal panel is very important to piggyback off of looking at the stool analysis. Um, There is other testing in the genetic world that we will do. 
Um, primarily, if somebody's neurotransmitter panel comes back and things are all over the map, we have a bunch of things that are super elevated and other things that are you know, practically zero, we always wanna consider, is there something genetic that is influencing this? What I mean by this, and I, I really wanna create clarity because I feel like we live in a world that they're trying to advance genetic testing and they're almost um, doing the testing to, to brand us to say, eventually you will get this diagnosis because you are predisposed genetically. And when we do genetic testing, we don't do it for that reason. We pretty much, say if there's 10 steps to make serotonin because of your genetic makeup maybe step three needs some support so you support step three and then the pathway works again and you make the serotonin appropriately so it's kind of looking at where is the kink in the chain and what support do you need because genetically certain pathways don't work as well as others so we will kind of go down that road if necessary. Um, again, more so if the neurotransmitters are all over the map. And, you know, it's just a, a further way of supporting people and, and allowing them to get sleep and, and get restful sleep. I think it's important that you mention the genetics too and, and how that you can support them based on their own kind of personalized genetic plan because I think it's, it's helpful for the healing phase, but it's also really helpful for the maintenance and moving forward and making sure that mm, people aren't, going back to, you know, we fixed a problem and now it's kind of coming back again. So I think that that always makes people feel a little bit better when they hear about genetic testing is, you know, it's good to know because now we can support you and we can support you for the long term. Well, and I, before I did genetic testing, people would kind of come to a close with the program and they would feel really, really great, but they also were terrified about going backwards. And they would be like, what are my top things that I need to do? What are my top things you know, I need to take supplement-wise? And what are my top things that I need to continue from the dietary standpoint? And until I did genetic testing, I couldn't really tell them that. So now having, you know, your actual blueprint for your body, you know, there's, it's going to give me the information to say, you know, you need to be on a, a, a B complex. You need to maybe take more glutathione than the average person. You need to take more uh, vitamin D than the average person. And then these are certain foods that your body does really well with. And these are certain foods that your body doesn't do well with. So um, it's amazing for the maintenance part of, of our program. So before we come to a close, I know we briefly mentioned in the beginning of the podcast talking about medications and how um, that's usually kind of a, a Band-Aid idea or a Band-Aid fix-all for this type of scenario when people are having sleep disturbances. You know, can you elaborate a little more on, on why, they might, um, why they might prescribe certain medications in this event? Yeah, um, you know, typically I know that a lot of times they're actually recommending uh, antidepressants or SSRIs, um, which are essentially supposed to uh, boost serotonin levels in order um, to help with sleep. But again, it's, so there's two parts with this. So with the serotonin, you know, the goal of putting you on the antidepressant is to boost your serotonin levels in order to hope that that eventually converts into melatonin and then that will help you sleep. So if you have a deficiency in B6, or you have issues genetically with producing something called SAM-E, that will not allow you to convert your serotonin into melatonin, which kind of leaves you with a bunch of built up serotonin 
and virtually no melatonin and you're not going to see see your sleep improve or you see it improve for a short amount of time and then you hit a plateau and you kind of go backwards um the other thing with ssris is it's a reuptake inhibitor so what that means is the the gland in the brain makes your um, serotonin your uh, neurons pick up what it needs whatever's left over gets sucked back into the gland that made it so you kind of with the ssris you shut down the recycling mechanism so none of the extra serotonin gets sucked back in it kind of just sits so the idea is hopefully now that it's available now more neurons will pick it up but what happens is if you continue to use this your body pretty much says why is that there why is there extra serotonin there again that's not supposed to be there so your body will start to send in a fleet of enzymes to actually break down the excess serotonin again because it's not being used so this is one of the reasons why the um, antidepressants kind of have a short-lived effect because once your body kind of catches wind of what's happening it will send in the fleet of enzymes to destroy the extra serotonin because essentially it's not supposed to be there um and this is also why it might lose it, its its effect but you might be switched to a different medication or you might add a medication etc I think it's uh, interesting too because, and the body will do this in a lot of different ways, but when you start to, you know, have an overabundance of something, the body goes, well, I don't need to make that. It's already there. Or, or it might say, I'm already getting that from somewhere else. So it actually shuts down its own mechanisms and its availability to do that. So over the long term, is it true that something like a, an SSRI could then shut down some of those mechanisms that actually create the serotonin? Well, yeah, because it's like a negative feedback loop. You know, you're, you have all this excess serotonin that's essentially sitting there. So your, your body gets to a point and goes, well, I don't need to make it. It's there. And so this is the reason why getting off of the medications is so difficult because you're the primary producer of the serotonin almost stops making it it's like the boy who are um the boy who cried wolf like mm -hmm. it's it's like oh well um you fooled me once fooled me twice like i'm not making it anymore i'm shutting down Th this is one of the things that happens with uh people that chew gum so if you chew gum all the time and your body obviously your body you're chewing your body's thinking you're getting ready for a meal so your stomach starts to make all this stomach acid to get you ready to digest your food but you don't actually swallow anything, so nothing enters the stomach. So your stomach goes, fool me once, fool me twice, and then it actually shuts down your stomach acid production, and this is when people start to get into feeling indigestion, heartburn, burping. Everyone thinks that's because of high amounts of acid. It's actually an underproduction. Your food is getting into your stomach and sitting there and like rotting, essentially, because there's no acid to break it down. So aside from SSRIs, which, uh typically are prescribed for depression symptoms. Uh, there are obviously medications that are prescribed for sleep disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, can you elaborate a little more on what some of those are doing and, and some of those possible, possible um, problems with those? Yeah, so um, Ambien is, is a very, very popular one. Um, it's definitely known to have a decent amount of side effects, but 
With the uh, the Ambien, it's primarily a GABA agonist. So with that being said, there's a lot of other ways that you can go in the herbal world that actually really supports um, as a GABA agonist as well. Um, you know, one of the things that you could do is take GABA. <laughs> um, you know, you can definitely uh, use things like valerian root. You can use kava. Those are all really great options in the event of um, trying to go more of a natural route with fixing uh, your sleep issues. The, you know, the biggest thing I'll say is, you know, if you're someone who's been struggling with sleep issues for a long time and you want to kind of run out and buy these different recommendations, just be cautious with it. And, you know, I definitely recommend getting testing before you start to mess with your neurotransmitters because you need to understand that neurotransmitters when they become too low they become a problem when they become too high they become a problem you really there's a very fine line with keeping your neurotransmitters balanced so that you can feel good and you can feel normal and you can have great sleep so if you go out and start taking you know the wrong dose of GABA and you're taking it consistently over the course of a couple months you could essentially start to skyrocket your GABA levels and that can start to push you into feeling anxious. So I would definitely say, you know, get the testing done through a functional medicine practitioner and have the baseline of where you're at and what your body needs because GABA is such a general rec uh, recommendation because obviously we've talked about so many other things that can be contributing to sleep. It could be anything from the gut issues to the B vitamin deficiencies, um, you know, to the serotonin deficiencies, to the SAMe deficiencies. So it's really not about everybody needs GABA to fix your sleep. Well, and that's the thing too is, you know, without doing the testing and adding in supplements, a lot of people tend to have adverse side effects. You know, in that, you know, you might be taking this to think that it's going to help your sleep, but you might end up waking up all night and mm -hmm. ending up worse off. So it's definitely important to know before you supplement. Definitely. Especially in the herbal world, like the valerian root and kava are both herbs. And they're, they're very strong. Herbs are very, very powerful. They can be almost equally as powerful as medication. So you definitely want to just make sure that what you're doing is supervised by a physician. So as a special bonus for listening, we do want to offer you a 15-minute free phone consult with myself. I'd love to talk to you more about anything that you have specifically going on, you know, whether it's with regard to digestion or sleep problems, and give you more direction on what you can do to uh, start feeling better. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.